0: bring you let's talk about it
1: Good morning everyone. This is Fran Lewis from freezing Westchester County. But that's okay, because this is gonna be so much fun. Murder, mayhem, and crawling with wild animals. You know, this book came in time for the in memory of Betty White, who would love this book because it advocates why you need to be careful and take care of animals. And I think that's fantastic. So when animals start mysteriously disappearing from the Penwell Wildlife Refuge, former English teacher, my field, turned Wildlife Magazine reporter, Christy Farrell, is on the case. Days later, the body of the refugee's director is found in a grassy clearing. And with her veterinary daughter, Abby, I got it right. Investigators discover strong motives among the suspects, including greed, infidelity, revenge, and blackmail, and don't you dare hurt those animals. So good morning. Lois Schmidt is here, and the title of the song of the book is Playing Possum and Don't Mess with These People. So how are you, and welcome (laughs) to MJ Network.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here.
1: Me too. So tell me, how did you, how does Christy decide um, as a writer that she was going to take on finding out who was stealing the animals? Tell us a little bit about this book.
2: Okay. Um, well, she is a writer for a magazine called Animal Advocate. So they do stories involving animals. That's all the magazine covers. So when animals started disappearing from the rehabilitation center at this preserve, um, her editor, the staff, they decided she should do an article on that. So that's how she first got involved in it.
1: Yes, yeah, she. And she's really good. So how come she included her daughter? Why does her daughter become well, part of the, of the investigation?
2: Her daughter Abby is a veterinarian, so she has a lot of knowledge about animals, which is helpful. And she also has a lot of contacts in the animal field. So she knows other vets um she knows people who deal with animals, so there's a lot of if Christy needs information, there's a lot of sources available through Abby. So I have this
1: right on Facebook. I'm telling people to listen, and I'm putting the number on there. So who is Melissa, and what is her role? poor Melissa?
0: <laughs>
2: Melissa is the director of this wildlife um, refuge. And um, as director, she handles staff and the day-to-day operations.
1: So that that's her job, right? Exactly. Right. So how does she, um, what about Victoria? How does she get involved uh, in this? I wasn't crazy about this lady. And <laughs> what is her first impression of Victoria? Story.
2: Okay. Victoria is the person of the board of trustees of this preserve. Preserve mm-hmm. of course is an or a refuge. Um, the refuge of course is a not-for-profit. They have a, bo- a board of trustees. Uh, it's called the Penwell Wildlife Preserve or refuge mm-hmm. and that's because her late husband donated the land. So that's one of the reasons she's uh, chair of the um, Board of Directors or the Board of Trustees. She is a very rich woman, a very powerful woman, and she knows it.
1: And she uses it.
2: Absolutely. I, do, I wish I
1: could do the same thing. Yep. Sometimes you have to have like an edge or something that nobody knows about. So who is Elena? <laughs> and what does Christy over here between her and Melissa? And who's Austin?
2: Excellent. Hey. Elena is the um, education coordinator at mm-hmm. the Refuge. And she's also, just a little twist, the fiancé of Austin Penwell, who is Victoria's mm. son. And ever since she became the fiancé, um, there's been a push to make her director. So Elena constantly, and Victoria who undercuts Melissa. On things she wants to do, and there's a lot of friction between the two, and they have a um, heated argument that Christy overhears. She doesn't know what it's about, but they are raising their voices. They are yelling, and um, and um, Melissa does make a statement. You'll do that over my dead body. And she accommodates
1: her. That's so rude. <laughs> so. What is Elena? Well, you know, Elena needs you know the the clipboard that I used to do when my nieces tell me that they're dating someone. I do what my sister did to me She take out the clipboard, test for questions, and see if the guy passes. If he doesn't pass, we uh-huh. send him on his way. That's a true
0: story well, for real. Case,
2: <laughs> that makes sense, but in this case, it meets the criteria that Elena wants,
0: yeah.
2: and the criteria is Elena who comes from a middle-class family, you know, she doesn't Mm. have power. She wants power, and um, she wants to advance in her career. And Mm. um, all this can happen. She's going to have wealth and power when she marries into the Penwell family. So um, that was her attraction. So in that way, now he meets the criteria, which on her list is probably money, power, prestige.
1: You see that's funny because I know just the opposite. I was going out with someone when I was younger, and I wasn't rich enough my father was i did my father had a lot of money I didn't even know it, and obviously the mother of this guy felt that I wasn't rich enough, so I said whatever she Good she for uh, you. Was, was, Good for you. yeah he, he he married a girl that whose father paid him nine million dollars to marry her, and um <laughs> What can I say? So how does she manage to manipulate people, Elena? She manages to get people to do what she wants.
2: She does. She, um, well, first of all, now that she's engaged to Austin Penwell, um, she can use that to get what she wants. She can almost bully yeah. her. Way. Uh, at the Preserve, the Victoria Penwell, her future mother-in-law, is chair. And she lets everyone know who she is so that's one of the ways you know she does it and she's good at marketing herself at pr we all know people like that who you know somebody else does all the work and they do a great Mm -hmm. job but somebody else takes credit because they're just good at getting it out there
1: that's not right though
2: so no it's not uh george is
1: interesting Who is George, and why does we realize that he might be in trouble? And why does Elena complain about him? She's not very nice. No,
2: she's not. But um, George is the wildlife rehabilitator, and I'll just explain briefly what that is. Um, Wildlife particularly nowadays gets injured. Many times it's because of human things. Um, A duck may get caught in fishing wire.
0: Um
2: they um you know, birds have flown into telephone poles, things happen. Animals get hit by cars.
0: Uh,
2: so a lot of it is human fault. Um some of it is just natural squirrel falls out of a tree. But a lot is human. But anyway, there are wildlife rehabilitators. They're licensed in New York, they're licensed by the state of New York and um they can um, work and, and work on and aid these injured animals. If they need an operation, the animal is taken to the vet but the rehabilitator then provides the aftercare. But very often things simple like putting a leg in a splint, a fox's leg in a splint, they can do it themselves. So that's George. That's his job. He is the wildlife rehabilitator at this refuge and um, we know there's some problems going on because certain physical things are happening. <laughs> he stumbles uh once he spills some of the food. just he's acting a little clumsy, he's also taking off time um from work and as I'm for wondering
1: that- I wonder if they have these rehabilitators at the zoo. Or at a, at a, at a, at a veterinarian
2: well, they, or somebody that actually does that. Have, they, at the zoo, they usually have licensed... They have veterinarians. They have the, vet, the veterinarians are mm. doing it, um, you know, at um zoo. This is really animals in the wild that are injured. Because mm. these rehabilitators are also trained on how to transport them, you know, how to take an injured animal. Um, and get them to the rehabilitation center so they can fix them. And then the goal is to they release them um, in the wild. I wonder how many of the animals would
1: like to stay there. (laughs) I wonder how many of them would like to look at them and go, like, don't let me go, let me stay.
2: I don't know. I think a lot of the animals that live in a preserve or a natural place like that uh, are fine there. They do have their freedom. And the goal is to... um, um, you know, um, release them. Uh, at this preserve, they even had the rehabilitation. They even had um, a fraud there that they were, they had to fix the leg because it was partially chopped off by a weed whacker, by an unsuspecting human who wasn't careful and was just doing gardening and didn't know. Luckily, he had the sense to call the center and um get the um the rehabilitator. Sometimes and I'll just add this, sometimes um the animals can't be released back if they're injured to the extent that even though they're fixed and they can live, they can't function in the wild. Then they often have to stay. Sometimes they use them for educational resources. For instance, in this case, there's an owl that can't fly anymore. Um, So he stays there, and he's used the educational programs and schools and things like that. Sometimes they send them off to sanctuaries where they can live in a different type of condition, a more controlled condition. But that's only for animals that can't survive in the wild. It's so sad that really, with really this, this pandemic that the
1: kids can't go there. It's so sad. I know that some of yes. them go to the aquariums and stuff because it's fun, but they're losing out on so many trips to the So It's so sad. They are. They're on the so no school trips. It is
2: sad, yeah.
1: The whole school system is sad, yeah. And I'm listening to the governor up here who is not too, too plugged in on the right circuit. And she's thinking along with the governor of New Jersey of lifting the mask thing in schools and outside. And I don't think that's such a hot idea. I hate wearing a mask, but it still prevents you from a lot of things. So mm-hmm. what does Christy learn when she's interviewing both Elena and George? And then what happens to poor Melissa? Oh, poor Melissa.
2: Well, we all know uh, really, no spoiler alert. Melissa, Melissa is found dead,
0: and yeah. um,
2: obviously it's murder. And um, we, um, when she, it, when Christie interviews this other staff there, especially Melissa and uh, especially Elena and George, she learns that there's a lot of tension at this preserve. It's not all one happy family where everybody is working together. Yeah. There's a lot of backfighting. I know, there's a lot of of backstabbing here. Yep, that comes from uh, motive to murder.
1: That's always good. Now, we have more suspects. We have George, Jeremy, Victoria, and Elena. So, who is Jeremy? Because we know the other three.
2: um, Right. Jeremy is the only one that doesn't work at the Reserve. He is Mm. Melissa's ex-boyfriend. Ooh, and he runs a, um, a food truck. Well,
1: that's interesting. So what does she learn? She meets Melissa's parents. And what conclusions does she draw from them?
2: Well, that also is interesting. Melissa's parents are very old-fashioned, very strict. Um, she goes in their home, and it's something out of the screen's 1950s. Um, but they're very strict, particularly the father. So the first time she goes, she doesn't learn too much, but she learns one thing. She learned that Melissa came uh, came into money. Parents don't Mm. know how, but she was buying things. Uh, She bought um, some big appliances for her parents. She She was spending money. All of a sudden, she'd come into money. So that's one of the things that she learned. Also goes back again and she talks to the mother the father's not there and she mm. finds out without saying why she finds out a little more um since the mother reveals a little more when the father isn't there
1: that's, inter- that's interesting her mother reminded me of mine sorry very strict very raised prim and pop everything so
2: i think it reminds a lot of people of um yeah. Of our generation, of our parents
1: My mother was like that Up until whatever she, I think everyone in my family, no matter how old My sister was like that before she died Exactly like my mother My brother's like that now too mm-hmm. There I, are me, a lot of people Yeah, me I, I, You know, I try to teach that to my nieces And nephews And most of it rubs off And my niece was in a bad relationship Like, with, uh, like this one And like Austin And um, I fixed it Explain to her why you know you you got to if you want a career in music you need to be on your own. So this was interesting. Tell us why she becomes involved with puppy mills and the missing animals taken from the wildlife rescue. What are puppy mills? And I know there's such a thing. I looked okay. it up.
2: Right. Puppy mills um, are basically um, breeders on steroids. Okay. They're they're mm. places where Animals are are bred. Dogs are bred to sell, and unlike a legitimate breeder who takes very good care of their dogs mm. uh, and only breeds sporadically, you know, when it's appropriate, they give them lots of time to rest. The dogs are free. They go for eat. You know, the the puppy mill just turns them out. These dogs, these parents' dogs, it's horrible. I know. Dogs would their entire life. They don't get out. Um, And they just breed them. They have a litter, well, they're going to have another litter right after that. That's all they're there for. And when they can't breed anymore, they're usually killed. This is the puppy milk. The puppies often have health problems. The puppies often have health problems. They... um, they are in check for genetic diseases. The parents, you know, a legitimate breeder will check to make sure the two the dogs that are breeding are physically healthy and have the, and there's not going to be genetic problems, not with the puppy mill dogs. they're just bred, and they often come out with all sorts of um of problems, heart problems, um, problems with um their their physical structure. And they're often kept, and since they're kept in such horrible condition. Many of them have things like kennel cough and uh, respiratory oh, problems. Oh God! So they're hard. They're hard. Again, Christy works for a Wildlife, uh, a Wildlife, a magazine mm-hmm. that focuses on animals. So she actually came up with the idea for this story when talking to her husband, who was a vet and her daughter who was a vet and they were talking about some of the cases that they've seen which um involved puppy mill dogs and how the puppies from them are have so many problems. So that's how she Well how do the they
1: back. how do they get conned into how do people get conned into taking them? Because they must they realize that these puppies are not it. normal.
2: No, they don't realize it. They go to a pet Let's store. Say, And they think, and the puppy's cute. Who doesn't look at a a puppy and think it's cute? And often these places lie. Uh, I mean, sometimes one of these these dogs will be okay, but many times they have these problems. And they'll say, oh, Mm. that's a little kennel horse. That'll be gone in a few days. Or um, sometimes they'll take the dog home, and then they'll take it to the vet. And, uh, you know, like a week later or so for a checkup, and they'll find, oh, the dog has a genetic heart problem. Well, you've had the dog for a week. Now you're attached to it. It's not like a car that you're going to Yeah, return. I know. Um, so they're attached to it. So this is what happens. But most people are good. They don't realize that um, so getting sad. a dog from a pet dog usually is a puppy mill dog. You know, if you want a dog, mm. you really need to go either to – if if I mean, wonderful. There are lots of dogs you can get at the pound that really need a home. Mixed breeds are great. But if you do want a specific breed, you can go to a legitimate breeder or even a rescue organization. But you want a puppy, you want a, um, I don't know, a golden retriever puppy, go to a legitimate breeder. Check them out. But um, – don't, you know, make sure a legitimate breeder, you can go and see. They'll have the mother dog on the premise. You can see the dog mm. and with its puppy. It's different. The um, puppy mills, they have hundreds, dozens, maybe sometimes hundreds of dogs that are just breeding out in oh, cages. But you go to a pet store, you often don't know. Um, so you have to be careful.
1: I know. I bought um, a long time ago. Well, I didn't get dogs. I didn't want one of those. But I had uh, fish and sharks. Mm-hmm. I love sharks. Sharks are so cool. And uh, Grammys and angelfish. And you got to be careful when you're going for an angelfish because they're very delicate and they don't last. And the white oh. angels don't last at all. And I was really good at this. It was exciting. When I came home from school, my shark would jump up and tell me hi. I'm there. It grew so big. Like a twenty-five really? um, thing t- tank again. The thing was huge until like all oh, the poor sharks. So this, I mean, there's a pet store, and we. My brother has a rescue dog. Bella is so cute, though. She's she's. You don't mess with Bella. But tell us about her visit to the pet store and the owner. Hmm. And why does she take the job there? She's really smart. Let me tell you. Well, she wants. She
2: an investigative reporter, so she's doing the story. So she goes there, she talks to uh, some of the staff there, including a young boy, a boy about, you know, 19, that type of, that age, mm-hmm. who works there basically um, doing, sleeping up, putting out the food, things like that. He's a little bit slow, and she um, talks to him, but he, he's the only one there that really seems to care for the animals. And she talks to him and she finds out things from him. And um, she decides the best way to get her story is to apply for a job. There happens to be an opening uh, because Mm. one of the salespeople is moving. So she applies, she gets the job, and it puts her in a spot where she can see what's really going on behind the scenes.
1: And it is the only way. So how does this lead to uncovering what happens to the animals? And this owner, okay. he lies a lot. And he people, well, people don't, you know, they don't know better. So if you're not an animal lover or a vet or somebody like that, or know somebody that's a vet that can actually see it, and they don't want to do what they do sometimes with other things, they don't let you take the pet home and then give it back if you don't want it. <laughs> so once it's yours, it's yours, pretty much. Exactly.
2: So what, she, and plus, the psychology of it is most people once they get a pet, even if it has physical problems, they become attached very quickly, and it's very hard to return it. Again, mm-hmm. it's not like a car or you know a pair of shoes. Yeah. so it is very hard to return. But what she does is while working there, she overhears conversation. I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give no, away. No, don't tell anybody. I have hands but out for this, this book, hears- by the way. <laughs> Thank you. So she um, overhears conversation that leads her further on in her investigation. That's what I'll say on that.
1: Okay. We're not going to tell them. But, you know, the the purpose of the wildlife refuge is to save animals, and um, you begin to wonder, so who is Susan Hansen, and what is her role, and why is she on the Board of Trustees?
2: Okay. Um, well, first of all, the, the – I just want to talk a little bit about the refuge and tell you that, um, as you know, most places, particularly in New York, where you live up in Westchester, I live on Long Island, land is constantly being developed for homes, condos, shopping centers, and that's the animals' homes. So there are refuges that have been established where the land can't be developed, and the animals that live there can continue to live. New ones are constantly being born, so it's a haven for them. And we have several on Long Island, and I think you do too in Westchester. I'm not sure, but uh, you probably do. But we do on Long Island, and, in fact, one of them is where I did a lot of research. Okay, it's a non-for-profit, and there's a a board of trustees who runs it, on this particular board of trustees, um, Victoria Pendwell is the chair,
0: and mm. most of the
2: other members are close cronies of hers, family friends. They're, ha- they're titans of industry. They, ha- they also come from money, but they had very little background with animals. She needed somebody on the board that knew something about animals, particularly wildlife. Susan Hansen is a is a science teacher and um mm. she's written papers, she has a background in ornithology and um she she's a scientist. She has a lot of background in this. So mm. she is the one they put on to give some professional prestige to the board. In reality, they never listen to her. She's
1: just there for her name and, and, and credentials. That's not good. Now let's get to the good part, people. The guy that needs Fran's clipboard, seriously. So we've got Austin. Um, he might present one side of him and then another to the others. So how does his mother control him? And how does being engaged to him let Elena think that she's going to bring specific programs to the Wildlife Refuge Center? That's interesting part of this plot. Yes.
2: Well, Austin is, her, is Victoria's son, and Victoria is just a very – powerful, domineering mother.
0: And Mm. Austin
2: is going to run for state senate, which basically she wants more than he does. But she's pushing him. Uh, In terms of Elena, um, there's one quality about Elena. Elena actually is interested in the environment and wildlife. That is a passion with her. Despite all the bad qualities, she is interested. And she wants to Forge a career in this field. Mm. And um, Austin can help her do it. Being married to a Pendwell can help her do it. It opens all sorts of doors.
1: I mean, just sometimes you've got to do it, yeah. You know, something in this world, unfortunately, you do need somebody to let you get you in the the front door. Unfortunately. Right.
2: Unfortunately, you're right. But this is what happens with um, Elena. This is how she sees it.
1: I don't blame her. What can I say? So we have George. i so sad he's dead. Oh, well. So who is Cassie? And she takes over his job. And why and how did you create the scene with the scorpion? Oh, my God, that scared me.
2: Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, let me do Cassie first. Cassie is the part-time rehabilitator for the um, refuge. And that's mm. because... They have to have somebody, you know, if an animal's injured and it's George's day off or well, you either have to call him in or, you know, you can't wait till Monday or Wednesday or whenever he's coming back. You know, nobody's going to work seven days a week, 24 hours. So there's a part-timer who helps, who is on call when he's not available, and that was Cassie. So when George can no longer do it, um, Cassie becomes... The rehabilitator there, so um as for the scorpion, okay, um there is somebody who wants to kill another person at the refuge. yeah, not um, nice, somebody they think um may have a clue to their identity. it's the killer uh, the killer of um of Melissa. Is afraid that somebody else may know too much, and this person wants to kill um, somebody else. I'm not going to say who, but they wants to kill somebody else. So the mm-hmm. scorpion. Now you may say, well, you know, a scorpion for most people, if you're not a baby or you know, 95 years old and in poor health, a scorpion bite is not going to kill you. No, for most. I don't people. want to find out. But for the type of, but for the type of scorpion that I use, again, research this, it's it's called the Arizona box scorpion. It is extremely venomous, and its bite mm. is lethal. It's not treated in time, so it, it is lethal. So it's um, one of the few breeds that can kill. So. Okay, now we have another
1: part of this that gets interesting. We have a rival Senate. We have a Senate candidates. So why does Christie go to meet the rival Senate candidates? And what else do we learn about Austin? I didn't like him at all. Sorry. Uh,
2: yeah, there are a lot of characters here that you love to hate. I will say that. Um, yeah. She goes there because she wants to find out more about Austin. Um, yeah. Because he becomes a suspect, too, later on. Yeah, I know. And, of mm-hmm. course, so she um, goes there to find out, and as she says, if I go to his Senate campaign office, they're only going to say good things about him. I go to mm. the opponents; they're going to say bad, bad things. They're going to have the dirt, some of it, as we all know, with uh, politics. Maybe just mudslinging, but some of that mud does stick. There might be some truth into it. At least she'll get. An idea of where to investigate, and um, Christy is a good investigative reporter. She um, doesn't take things at face value; she checks them out to make sure what she hears is
1: true. Yeah, we have another part here. I'm looking. At, I've got a ton of questions. Oh my goodness, look at this! Um, tell us about this. You brought in another part the ring, Abby's ring. So why did you bring back, and how does she intend to get the real one back?
2: That was interesting, too. That's a little side story. There's always a little side story in it, a human story. Now, I work, my background, I worked for many years um, as media spokesman for a consumer affairs agency, so I have a consumer background. So I try in my stories to always bring a little side story, something with that, because those cases aren't interesting. They are, and they humanize everybody. Um, this was a common scam. I don't want to go into too much because I don't want to no. give away too much, but it was a common scam when I worked for Consumer Affairs. And uh, so I have that as a little side story. And um, the sad thing is, Getting in cases like this, getting the ring back may or may not happen. Um, mm. If they, if the ring has already been sold or the stone taken out, then it's usually too late. But in some cases, nothing has been done yet, and um, it's able to be returned. So uh, again, I do try in all my stories, little side story that has a. Um,
1: consumer theme to it. I wish they would have found the ring that I lost at Urgent Care a couple of weeks ago. I dropped a a ring, and I called five minutes later, and they said it was missing, and I have a feeling I know who took it. It was something my father bought me when I graduated college at 17. Oh,
2: no, that's terrible.
1: Yeah, so I finally had another one made, but it's not the same.
2: But before I forget...
1: Did you go back there?
2: Did you go back? Yeah,
1: again? I did. Actually, it was Let right outside, back. and I went back, and they said that they couldn't find it. I think the person that was running the place that's no longer there took it, and because oh, how dear. does it fall on the floor and nobody saw it? It was, like, weird, yeah. So yeah. I got really yeah. upset. So before I forget, I Thursday, Stella Tear Hart will be here with a true story about the Holocaust and what happened to her family. It is heartbreaking, but a really phenomenal book. On the 15th? John Land took over the uh, murder in the CDC, the Margaret Truman Capital Murders. On the 17th, Cindy McDonald. And right after that, my niece Carly is going to drop her song, Where You At? It's coming out on the 17th on MJ Network, In Memory of Her Grandmother. On the 21st, we have Fool How Once. On the 23rd, I am so excited, New York Times author John Gilstrap will be here with Blue Fire. What happens when you don't have phones and refrigerators and electricity? And what do you do when you live in a, an environment right after an apocalypse? This is fantastic. 28th, New York Times author Claire Douglas will be here with Just Like Us Girls. And what better way to start March than with Philip Margolin, <laughs> the darkest place, and Andrea ah. Kane, and any cost? Yeah, that's just to start. We, I, I, I was like, my oh, my brothers. God. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's amazing, I and I Philip have
0: Marguerite.
1: Philip Margolin is like a friend. I love him. I can email him myself. That's how, and I When I send questions, I don't send it to the publicist. I send it to Phil myself. He's, he's great, and he's a great person. I love his but book. This,
2: I love his book.
1: Wait till you read The Darkest Place and tell me what you think about the third scene <laughs> in the courtroom. That's all I will tell you. You're going to need tissues for this one. So why does That's Cassie good. work there? And what does she learn that shocks her? Okay, I don't want
2: to give too much there. Don't give away. You know, okay, no. But I will tell you one thing. Um, since George had been sick, she, um, she discovered that some of the animals were not getting the right care. Mm-hmm. And that has a lot to do with his illness. He wasn't doing it deliberately wasn't lazy, but it just happened because of things. And she was worried about some of them. That's all I'm going to say on that.
1: That's so sad. Where did you find out who's still the animals That was even shockier. So now we have someone that I really like to slap in the head. Why doesn't Detective <laughs> Wolf want to inv- – yeah, I want to smash him. Why doesn't Detective yeah. oh, Wolf yeah. want to investigate the two murders and investigate Veronica and the center – Money. Well, Wolf,
2: first of all, is is Christie's nemesis. Yep, he is. He, is. A, he was always a bully. He went to school with Christie's younger brother and used to bully him. Um, he got on the police force because he has a relative who's high up.
0: And oh, God. He
2: still is He's also lazy. Um, he wants the simplest answer. He's not going to check things out. And in this case, he doesn't want to rattle the Penwells. They're powerful. They're rich. He doesn't want them as his enemy. He's not going to check it out. The easiest one to go for is Jeremy, the bo- the boyfriend. Mm. You know, it's the young, young man who owns a food truck. So... He's satisfied. He's not going to investigate. Um, Wolf is a character in all my books with Christy. As you know, I had two before, this monkey business, which takes place at a zoo, and something fishy, which takes place in the aquarium. And Wolf is a homicide detective. So he's always there, and um, Christy always bursts his bubble. So
1: we have Sheila. How does she get involved, and what does she help with?
2: Okay, Sheila is the Penwell's maid. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she is there every day. She sees what goes on. She knows the inner workings of the family, what they talk about, what they do. Because most people don't pay attention to the maid. They're not aware that they're even in the room sometimes. So um, she hears their fights, their arguments. You know, they're not going to talk about something Mm. illegal in front of her. But she gets to know the personality, what they're fighting about, what they want to do, and so forth. Mm. She also happens to have a dog that is a patient of Abby's, um, because Abby's a vet. So they get to talk to Sheila. Abby is able to ask her questions. Bring Christy in, and they can find out a lot about what's going on with the Penwells. Well, my niece is a vet.
1: She works in, um, ah. on, on the island, and I'm so proud of her because she loves. She's in a veterinary assistant. Not only that I think she's got more pets in her house than she has poor Alexandria <laughs> who's three. <laughs> she's got dogs and ger- gerbils and igu- she's got everything. <laughs> and fish. That often like,
2: happens with pets. They do. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just she's got tons of animals and she takes great care and the little girl, she's three, my niece, and she loves them. So this really got me. Elena's programs, um, why does Elena's programs get credit who gets who who created them and who steals her ideas?
2: Well, a lot of the ideas actually came from Victoria.
0: But yeah, again, she's a Elena real witch, that is good lady. Good at
2: marketing, she is. But you know, the ideas—some of the ideas weren't bad. Um, and Elena's good at marketing, so she throws them out. And again, she's going to be Victoria's um, daughter-in-law. Victoria wants to push her in her career. So, Victoria, for this matter, doesn't really care that certain ideas like the owl prowl came from her. She'll let Elena take credit for it. Mm. That was nice of her.
1: So, she interviews a whole lot of people. But we find out, what extra money did Melissa get? Where did it come from?
2: Okay. Okay. can't really tell you where it came from, but this is the important crux of it. Because when they find out that, when Christy finds out that Melissa came into this money, she thinks this could be a motive for murder. Was Melissa blackmailing somebody? Yeah. Uh, Where did this money come from? So that leads her in one direction in her investigation. I'm not going to tell you whether it uh, no. turned out to be true or not, but the money is something that until close to the end, they don't discover where it came from.
1: Mm. So we have two more characters. Who is Linda Lau and who is Erin, and why does she want to talk to them?
2: Okay. Linda Lau comes to see Christy. Uh, in my first book, yeah. Business*, I have a character called Mia Lau. Um, she's a former student of Christie when Christie was an English teacher. And um, she's now working and turning at the zoo where Christie is doing a story. And they talk and they meet. And well, in the end, Mia dies. Mia gets killed. And um, Christie solves the murder. So Linda is Mia's cousin. And um, she knew that how Christy helped with is case, and she happens to, Linda happens to be a good friend of Melissa. So she asked Christy if she will help solve the uh, murder of Melissa. And Christy, of course, had planned to do that anyway, probably, because it. Um, She's a reporter. She's working on the um, wildlife um, refuge as a story, and this is part of the story. But Christy is also a very human-type person. She really feels for people, and um, when Linda asks her, she says definitely she will help. And she also doesn't particularly like Wolf and thinks he's mm incompetent and that he's possibly railroading. Again, could be Jeremy, it might not be Jeremy. But she doesn't think he's getting a fast take and she's gonna check it out.
1: There are very few people that would do that. Very yeah. few people. And I'm I'm finding that, you know, I deal with the media all the time because a lot of them are authors their book and they're cool. And we talked about that on my last uh show, my last panel. How does the media create the hype and how come sometimes they take these events and twist them to make people get upset or just get public opinion and every every news station tells it differently so that bothers me too so right. how does she finally without giving it away how does she piece it all together and realize that this is what happened this is who did it and i like
2: officer fox why does he help her Okay. Um, okay. Just one thing you would ask me, I didn't answer on Erin. Erin is a friend, a good friend of um, of Melissa. And to make her investigation thorough, she wants to um, question Erin um, on on Melissa. Maybe she knows things about Melissa's life. Maybe she knows where the money came from. Mm. So that's Erin. Okay. In terms to. Um, Officer Fox, we'll do that first. Officer Fox is Wolf's partner. I gave them the name in my first book, Monkey Business, because all my books take place in animal settings. Again, Monkey Business Mm. is a zoo. Um, This is a wildlife preserve. So I thought, and Wolf and Fox, if you go in the, well, they don't have a phone book anymore, but if you look up, they're very common surnames. Lots of people have those. In fact, I know somebody whose last name is Fox. Um, And there's a dentist here who's Wolf. So they're coming in. So I thought it would be sort of fun and also in making characters easy to remember if I make the detectives Wolf and Fox. So anyway, Fox is Wolf's partner. And he's a decent guy. He's smart. Um, and he wants to do the right thing. But Wolf is the senior partner, and Mm. Wolf is connected to the top brass. So there's not much Fox can do, but he's frustrated. And you can see the frustrating builds up. So finally in this book, the third in the series, he's had enough, and he meets Christy privately, and he says he will help. Can't do it in front of Wolf but he will help. And um, that's that's, that's how it's evolved.
1: How did you create the final scenes when we find out who did it without telling?
2: Because that's a hard thing for an
1: author to do.
2: It is. Well, she goes, it's all information. I love puzzles. I've always loved puzzles. And puzzles are putting pieces together. And the Mm. information is thrown in throughout the book. A little bit here. But it's when Christie goes towards the end on an owl prowl. The owl prowl that I talked about earlier. That's simply something a lot of preserves and refuges have refuges have these where, um it's a tour at night through the woods. So you get to see what the nocturnal forest. What it's like, the sounds, the um the smells, what it's like at night. And she goes on this. And while there, some of the information she's had before and some of it within the next few days, um, she pieces together and she checks out some of the facts and um, finds out what, you know, everything seems to fall together. And what she does is um, at this point she knows who it is and now she has to get to um, having this person admit
1: it. Well, she's got to do it without getting killed, too.
2: Yes,
0: yes.
1: That's that's the Which other thing. Yes. Which is, you don't want her to get killed. Okay, I did that. No, I you do show. So, so creating the final scenes, scenes is hard, but when you reveal the, the the person, how does without saying who did it? How does that create a difference in the wildlife preserve then? So the wildlife preserve is going to continue, right? They're they're not going out.
2: Because basically it's a trust. And now, well, without saying it, there is mechanism for it to run. There is an internal mechanism that that places like preserves, regardless of what happens to anyone associated with, the, the preserve will still stand and will still function. There's legal mechanisms for that.
1: I don't think enough people know about these places. And I don't think enough people realize, maybe somebody should need to write out a book or write a book or something about how to properly buy a pet and make sure you get the right one. No, Seriously. I mean, how to buy a I, I went to...
2: Oh, how to how to yeah.
1: buy, how to write how to how to buy how to buy a, what do you, what do you look for when you go into a pet store to buy a book to get a pet? Then maybe they need to okay, well, do smart, something about it.
2: Most of the legitimate pet stores, the chains like Pet Smart, at least here on Long Island, that I think it's
0: true. The all one all over, one pet over pet here Mart, went out.
2: Petco. Okay, they don't they don't sell dogs to cats. What they are mm-hmm. doing now is they are working. The one bunny is what works with. um, rescue organizations, they work with uh, mm-hmm. shelters, and they have dogs for adoption, because they've shown that they can. They make the money on the collateral things, on the products. Mm-hmm. You, you get a rescue dog. You go in there, and you take a dog that's being on this, that they have now on Saturday, yeah. let's say from Saturday 1 to 4, they have um, dogs from the local shelter. You take one of those dogs, where well, you're going to need a bowl and a leash and toys and bedding and you're going to need food and you're going to need food on a regular basis and you're going to get it there. So they make their money on that. And these legitimate pet stores don't sell dogs and pets anymore. The big, the big ones. There are some smaller ones that do and they're the ones you have to watch out for. And I know the ASPCA has, um, been very active in um trying to stop the puppy mills and stop the sale of puppy mill dogs. And they monitor stores and things. So um they try and get the word out but with everything there's so much news mm-hmm. out there that it some of it goes by the wayside. It is hard to um to get it out to everybody. Unfortunately, many very well-meaning people, mm. people who love animals, don't realize it. They go to one of the smaller pet stores, the independent, who are selling dogs and cats, and they see these adorable little puppies, and they buy one. And they know nothing about where they come from. And if if they stop the sale, if these dogs don't sell, they the puppy mills, have no reason to exist if they can't sell their puppies. They're a business. We're not so going sad, to do it
1: anymore. Well, they have us. The new store just opened across the street from my house. It's not a. It's an aquarium for fish only.
2: And right. Since
1: That's I, I, I might actually walk in there just one day. I don't want a fish, but to see, well, I would know if they were or bad. That I would definitely know. I think the one that the thing that broke my heart the most, and I wouldn't do it. Is I had sharks and garamis and angelfish, and I wouldn't give them the goldfish to eat. I put fish food yeah. and yeah. crickets and stuff. Yeah. I I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't in my heart. Bella. The the goldfish is so cute. I said nobody's eating my little guys, and I named them, so I couldn't. Yeah, so exactly, reading, I know
2: exactly what you mean. I I
1: could I couldn't do it. It's it's so sad. <laughs> I know. Um, so how do you create? Where do you see, Christy, next? What's next for her? Well,
2: actually, I'm working on my fourth book in the series. Um, Oh, good. It's called, I've already given it a title. It's called Barely Evidence, B-E-A-R-L-Y, a a little play on the word, Barely Evidence. And um, Mm. it takes place at a sanctuary, a wildlife sanctuary. Oh, okay. nice. Which is different than a refu- the sanctuary is where animals that can't go in the wild, um, either they were injured, as I mentioned, too badly and um, they can't be released back, they go to sanctuaries, rescue animals, animals that are rescued um, from roadside zoos, from circuses, from places like that, um, go to... Um, Go to sanctuaries a petting zoo for instance will is going to let's say it's going to close they sell those cute little goats and sheep to slaughterhouses unless somebody can rescue them and get them to the sanctuary so there are sanctuaries people also have um pets that they shouldn't have they get wildlife a number of wolves um people think oh a wolf is cute i'll have it as a pet well after it grows up, a lot of them don't want it as a pet anymore. It's a wild mm. animal. It can't be a pet. So that's where a sanctuary would take it. Um, dancing bears from a circus. Things like this. So this is my next story. Places Christy at a um wildlife sanctuary. That's where she's doing her story. Uh, I'm just starting on it now so I haven't really figured out the entire plot, but that's a basic um, place where it will start. And, of course, there will be a murderer, too.
1: One of these days I may give you an idea of who you can kill off. <laughs> what can I tell you? <laughs> so where can everybody get all of your books and start from the beginning? The only one I didn't read was the first one, but I, I did read the second and the third. So I expect to get the fourth when it comes out. That's just a hint. Thank you. Thank and you. You will. I um, haven't been saying that to too many people lately because uh, what can I say? Uh, at least at least well, it's I'm Christy, and it's-, and it's different. It's not just the same plot with the same character, which is what I read yesterday. I'm gonna, like, "Help me, root Um but I don't write negative no, reviews. No, I have if different actually- settings I have
2: there are a couple of you know characters. It's always it's going to be Christy and her daughter Abby, and I Detective like Abby. Wolf, but otherwise, but otherwise they're going to be different characters, different settings, different characters, um, different motives for murder. So oh, um, nice. it will be different. Yeah. Oh, there's always different motives. So um, you can um, you can get the book on Amazon or CNN.com. They both have it um some bookstores have it but it Mm. depends in most cases i'd say probably the best bet would be go online to amazon or bnn.com and um you can learn about my book a little bit more i have a website which is very simple it's my name dot com. that's L O I S S C There is no D in my name.
0: It's
2: T-T. com, And um, my Facebook is Lois Schmidt. Lois Schmidt Author. Um, so uh, that tells you a little more. I do have on my website some blogs that people mm. might be interested in. So, um, yeah. So um, that's where you can learn more about me. And, um as I said, Amazon and VNN.com are probably the best places to get my book. You can also get my book from my publisher. You can order it from my publisher, which is Encircle Publications. So I think that this is a publisher. great
1: book to teach anybody that wants to be a vet, wants to understand how important it is, people, to save the animals. I mean, I, I get upset in the street if I see somebody, and I've done it before, you know, walking with a dog that doesn't look right, I'll go like, oh, you know, animal prevention abuse. I don't think so. I mean, it's it's sad. I think the scariest thing that happened to me two years ago was that there was a bat in this apartment, <laughs> and this bat bit me <laughs> out of nowhere. Uh, we had they had no idea how it got here. It was like a hole in my closet. And oh, thank wow. God they got the bat, and the my the Richie got the bat. It was like, oh my God, I had to get rabies shots. <laughs> they hurt. Let me tell you, and you, you don't <laughs> want to. You got to be. Yeah, forgot. What happened was he must have been on my keyboard and my computer, so I must have been Gosh. wet or something. And then the nurse in the hospital said, you can't take a chance. So yeah. baby shots are painful. Yeah, I have no choice. But they are the most. They, yeah. They're they're really they hurt, and plus they have to give you a, a some other glamoglobian test shot in your butt, and you don't sit for a while. But it was either that oh, or boy. yeah. It's, yeah. It either either that or you're going to have a problem.
0: Just...
1: <laughs> I didn't yeah, know whether to laugh scary. or cry. So
0: nice
1: but thank oh, you boy. so much. I, it's a beautiful day outside. I think. Let me see my on my phone. I have the weather app. Oh my god, we have a heat wave It's 37 degrees here.
2: <laughs> and it's cloudy. I think cloudy. Day it's 41. I think it's 41. So, yes.
1: oh my here, god, you you island, got you got, island, got more so. on the island. <laughs> my sister used to live on the <laughs> island too. And I used to go there all the time. I just stopped going over the bridge after a while. But it's still beautiful there. But everybody yeah, but we, It's, it's a beautiful day, day else, outside. So. And I hope everybody does an act of kindness for somebody because this world is so horrible with what's going on. So I said if everybody does an act of kindness and does the right thing, maybe the virus will realize you're not welcome here anymore. That's a wonderful
2: idea, and it makes you feel better when you do an act of kindness, too.
1: I do, yeah, I do, and it makes me feel great just to say, I mean, I said good morning to somebody today, and I just said, oh, you look nice, and she looked at me and go like, well, you really do, what can I tell you? So thank you so much, everybody. Have a great day, Lois. Stay safe and bye. You too.
2: Thank you, friends. Thank you. Bye bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.